I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan. And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we love? The Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others instead of allowing it to transform them and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds hosting a podcast that isn't about technical details, but is about two simple questions. What's the story and what's the point? One of us will prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller. So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our world. Join us. Let's tell a good story today. Jonathan, how are you today? Seth, I'm all right. I'm... A little scarred from cleaning out our vacuum cleaner for the first time in four years. Not the like bagless, <laughs> like all the stuff that comes into it, but the the brush head that spins had a ton of hair on it. So I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> Other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, that that will take time to recover from. That's pretty yeah, traumatic. I had to like get a like... screwdriver to get it out. I had to get a pocket knife to get the hair off. Oh my gosh. It was a lot. How often are you supposed to clean this? I have no idea, but it's got to be okay. more often than every four years. <laughs> okay. Public service announcement. Clean the the beater bar on your yeah. vacuum clean cleaner. Clean your cleaning instruments, everybody. Like, yeah. we don't think about that. But... but you don't have to clean the outside of the bottle of hand sanitizer. Wait, do you? I don't think... No, you, you don't because... When even if you hold the bottle, put the hand sanitizer on, and then as long as you put the bottle down and sanitize, it cleans whatever germs were on the bottle. Sure. Your hands. Right. I don't want to think about germs anymore. No. That's basically <laughs> all I've been doing for most of 2020. So let's move yes. on to something else. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. I have a question for you. Okay. What would you do in this particular situation? Oh boy. <laughs> Would you want to have a traditional home with a foundation that's static or have a recreational vehicle camper <laughs> as your house? What? So, do I want a house or an RV? Yeah, pretty much. That's what, okay. <laughs> I was trying to dress it up a little bit. Okay. Ugh. I do think having an RV would be pretty fun, or at least something mobile. But I don't know. I like, I like having a house too. <laughs> this is hard. This is. I've been thinking about it too. I, I'm honestly don't know. My neighbors have the best of both worlds. They outside their house is just constantly parked their RV. So. <laughs> That seems so I th- that seems I like think a they waste just use of it time. As like, yeah, I think they just use it as like additional living space <laughs> or like a storage <laughs> room. It's a real expensive storage room. It is, yeah. Mm. Okay, well, if you had an RV, where would you go first? When my wife and I got married, we drove to Maine and went to Acadia National Park, which is probably still the prettiest place I've ever been in my entire life. I would go there and then. I don't know how long you can park there or whether like you're allowed to just park your RV there, but I would try it. As long as you were able to. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd do some, something similar, but like out west. Like mm, yeah. Somewhere in 
Idaho or Montana <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, I still don't know where Idaho came from, but that's okay. Yeah. Do you really like like potatoes? I mean, yes. We were also yeah, set me to too. in back in April. Our first, the first major cancellation for us of the pandemic was a trip to Seattle, and we were visiting friends in Seattle, and then in Western Montana. And so we were going to spend okay. some time in Idaho on the drive in between. <laughs> I guess it's just on my mind. I just, but yeah, I just really want some French fries. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm curious to see if there are any potatoes in today's scripture, or if there are any RVs. Okay. I don't know if they have potatoes in ancient Israel. That'd be that'd be sad. Oh, I'd yeah. feel sad for them if they didn't. They probably didn't. I don't think they did. We'll ask that question if we ever have someone on the podcast who, who has a background. Yeah, if we ever have an, ex- an actual expert on No Experts Allowed. Yeah, would, well, uh, would that mean we'd cease to exist? I feel like we'd break us <laughs> if we did that. Never mind. I, you know, I've thought about that. But we're just <laughs> going to let it happen. Okay. <laughs> well, can I go ahead and read the scripture then? That would be a great way to, to bring this back on track. I'll try my best. <laughs> this is Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and verse 16. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. All right, Seth, so why'd we go with a new international version this week? With this particular passage, I think the NIV does a great job of just kind of balancing readability with with kind of treating it like a honestly somewhat boring description of, <laughs> of a, words from Nathan to King David. It's like, it is, 
it jazzes up what is kind of a prophet talking to David as best as any translation does mm. of this particular passage. I tried to keep it simple mm. this week. Yeah. NIV is a good go-to for that. While you were reading, is there anything that, that stuck out to you? I'm I'm struck really by the idea that God did not want a permanent place to live, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's a really yeah. profound idea to me. Knowing what I know about the rest of the biblical story, about the temple, knowing that when Solomon built the temple, uh, he built it at a fraction of the size of his own palace. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't often we don't often actually make that connection. But also knowing how important the temple became as an identity marker for the people of Israel too. It's so interesting to see how that idea and concept and value of theirs as a people group stemmed out of a tradition that says, I don't need a house. I don't want a house. It honestly sounds kind of similar to the desire of the people of Israel at the beginning of these stories with the prophet Samuel saying, we want a king. We want a king. <laughs> it's it's almost like the thread of these books is Israel wanting to be something they have never been before. And now mm-hmm. they're wanting to make God something that God has never been before either. Mm-hmm. So that, that idea is just really profound to me. That God wants to be a wandering God, so to speak. Yeah, and I've, I've wondered both. I think this is clear in Israel's call for a king. But I also wonder if it isn't part of the thread of this story, is that they want to be like the other nations around them. Mm. I wonder if they see these other nations who have gods that have static, right. built temples to them, and they think, well, we need we need to be like that too. They have a king. We, we should have a king. We need to get rid of this they crappy have... RV that we've been keeping God in and get, yeah, exactly. get something with exactly. a permanent foundation. Yeah, exactly. Like we can make it bigger than the RV. Like, right. <laughs> even in this story, we see a glimpse of maybe the palace being a little bit more important than than even the temple because the, what the first line is after David was settled in his palace, and then he's like, "Oh, maybe I should build a, a temple." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Okay, I'm all settled. I've moved in. I've got a house. Who else needs a house now?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything else you noticed? No, that was that was really the big thing. I mean, the other the other piece that was just more of a linguistic detail is how often the text reads "my people Israel." It's just yeah. not "my people," "my people Israel." That that name is name is significant, and God chose to include it in these words to Nathan several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like the, the refrain that punctuates the, mm-hmm. the passage. One of the things that, that struck me when I read it is the very last line. That the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Right? The desire is to kind of build some, some permanent structure for God. And then God actually says the, what seems to be the opposite. I'll build a house for you instead. Right. And that... I don't know when you hold that up with God saying at the beginning, I don't need a permanent place because I follow Israel wherever they go. (laughs) It leads me to believe that that house that God will establish God's self 
is not the type of house that we're talking about here. There's yeah. some other dwelling place in store for Israel that is not made of cedar, made of stone, whatever it may be, but is something different. And I would imagine something far greater. Yep. That was well said. I feel like we're, we're moving toward the application part already. We're, we're flying through okay. this. Was there anything else about the, the story of this passage that you wanted to share? Or do you feel like we covered it relatively well? I think we've covered it relatively well. One of the wonderful things about First and Second Samuel and some of the historical books is at least on the surface they read pretty simply. Right. So I think we've we've done a good job kind of talking about what's what's happening in the text. Yeah. I was struck by the same thing that you were that God's mobile. God wants to be able to move around, right? And God wants the RV. And just recently in New York City, there was what seems to be a fairly famous church that caught on fire called Middle Church. Mm -hmm. uh, the building next door to it was vacant and that caught on fire and uh, it inevitably spread to Middle Church. And I've only seen pictures of the outside, but it looks absolutely gutted. All the, I mean, all the roof is gone. All of the windows that were stained glass have melted and it's what once looked like a beautiful church is now just a, like a shell literally a shell of itself just mm -hmm. kind of the exterior walls and nothing else and i've been struck repeatedly by wondering how much i identify like with particular buildings and with particular places and seeing them as as holy somehow as places where god dwells but this story this says to me quite the opposite right i will i will go wherever you go in my in my traveling rv tent that's funny because the story with middle church came to mind immediately as well for me as a recent example of just a a tragic loss of space not because the church is the building but because that building to so many people represented a space where God's love became real and tangible to them. Oftentimes, again, Middle Church was really famous for being a clearly, explicitly inclusive community. And the amount of healing that they offered to folks in the LGBTQ community and others in New York City that found themselves pushed to the margins of the church because of something about themselves that their experience with faith earlier meant to them that they couldn't connect those things there's some real healing that went on there and i think that's the part of the loss that's really tragic to me I actually had the opportunity to hear reverend jackie lewis who's the pastor of middle mm -hmm. church speak in an event uh in the in pre-corona tide um, <laughs> and just the the vision and the clarity with which she leads is unbelievable and i know that their community is devastated but having someone like her at the helm right now who can affirm both their tragic loss and affirm that the church was never this building my prayers are truly with them all it, it does stretch you though because the the value that yeah. we place in our worship spaces seems to circumvent and supersede the value we place on God too. And that's why I'm curious right now, because I'm, I'm actually part of a church that, and we haven't been meeting lately, but we're in 
the third year of a three-year lease of a storefront because due to financial obligations, we had to sell our historic building in downtown Richmond, Virginia Hmm. a few years ago. And Hmm. we are not sure whether or not we will, you know, renew the lease next, next year, but we are right now a little more, a little bit more of a wandering people than most congregations Mm -hmm. are. And that I think has become something that's really important to us is that idea of being the church wherever we are together rather than in a particular place. Hmm. Ooh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So this, this scripture came from the lectionary on a Sunday in Advent. And I'm curious to know if you've thought at all about how this idea that we're talking about of God not have not wanting a permanent dwelling place, how that connects to the story of Jesus coming into the world. I don't know yeah. if that's where you were going or not. It's not, but I but I'm fine. super curious to know what you think. Yeah. No, this is that's a great question. One of the ways that I think about Jesus as God incarnate is that Jesus is the word on the street. Mm. That, he, that he literally walks around, right? That he's mobile. And that it's indicative to his ministry, right? That even, even part of like his homelessness or houselessness is that he could move, that he's an itinerant preacher. Yeah. So even in the person of Jesus Christ, I think we see someone who, who doesn't want to be localized to one place. Should sure. be tied down in that way, right? But to go where, where the people are. Yeah. In a sense, again, God taking on a mobile dwelling place, right? <laughs> exactly. Becoming becoming human. And then with the promised coming of the Holy Spirit, too, where we are all considered dwelling places of the divine. That the divine is so deeply woven into who we are that we can see see God and experience God and play host to God wherever we are and whatever's going on. Like that's, that's, that's really powerful to me too. I appreciate that. I appreciate you letting me put you on the spot like that. <laughs> I was just curious <laughs> to hear, to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, no problem. Now I have a question for you. Not crap. <laughs> <laughs> the time where it becomes maybe clearest that the church building itself has become an idol I think it's when we move, like when we move to our location in which we can't keep going to the same church that we mm-hmm. were going to. But in my experience, like I've lived in York my entire life and, I, and I've left to go to college and to go to seminary, um, but I, I've never moved out of York. But I know that you've moved and pretty far, right? So yeah. it, was, it was impossible for you to continue going where you were going before. I'd be interested just to hear a little bit about your experience like when you were a kid and you moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I was in when I was in middle school, we moved from rural western New York to slightly less rural North Carolina, <laughs> which as you can imagine was a pretty significant transition for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the experience of church shopping, if I can use that expression here, it was kind of a defining experience. We had a church, a larger non-denominational church that several of my dad's co-workers went to that we enjoyed, but because it was so large, we never found kind of that inroad. And 
and it was a personal connection that ended up leading us to the church where I spent the rest of, uh, I think it was high school by that point, the rest of high school and stayed connected to through most of college uh, while my parents still lived in North Carolina. And so that experience really could be defined by this process of wandering and looking for a place to to call home, you know, yeah. um, because my parents had lived in the town that they had lived in for almost 30 years in New York. My brother and sister had both grown up there, and they had gone to the same church, the small church in town, that entire time. And so it was a new experience for all of us, too. It wasn't like we were used to moving every couple of years, uh, and we'd been, it was a really new experience for us, and a lot of ways made it really hard, too. As I think about then moving to Pennsylvania for college and then Northern Virginia for seminary and now here to the Richmond area as well, the common theme that I keep seeing is always about relationships. It's always about someone who we know or we trust saying, you really should check this out. Um, And I'll say, especially in our move here, without getting into too much detail, my process of leaving Northern Virginia was particularly painful in the way that I had to leave the church that I worked at while I was there. And that process was really painful for both Abby and I when we ended up at the church, the congregation where we worship now that we've belonged to for a little more than a year. There was this sense of finding that home From the first Sunday we walked in, we were two of 10 people in the service, including the pastor. And he was mortified that we were there as new folks that Sunday (laughs) because there were so few people there. (laughs) And the way that the congregation welcomed us, the way that he welcomed us, the way that The church took our rich traditions, especially in music, and tried to offer them in new creative ways. I don't know, it just drew us in. And there's something, there's something about that experience too that that has you both on guard and open to the possibility of changing again. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen the benefits of what can come when you change, the type of community you can connect to, and I don't know that I want to leave anytime soon either. I don't know, like, because Mm -hmm. what we found has been so good for us. We're hesitant to move beyond the community that we're part of now. But again, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the people and our, and our shared experiences together. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot in in return. I guess it's okay. (laughs) This whole thing makes me want an RV even more. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) When we, when we have when we inevitably have a podcasting tour, we can do a we can do a bus or, or RV tour across the country. I'm down. That'd be so fun. I don't know how we would sustain that or no, finance I mean, it. That's what I was thinking. I feel like we're down, but I'm not sure that our wives would be down. Yeah, mine would be down if it was not really long. So like. Four months, you think? I'm just kidding. That's so long. (laughs) Anyway, your experience helps me even make a little bit more sense of 
of Israel in the exile, like of having a specific place that that they identified with, and then like being forced to leave it. Yeah. Right. And there's and there's also a sense where, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know part of my experience has when has been when whenever I've gone back to those places I called home before, it never felt the same. Yeah. I never felt like I quite connected there anymore. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a testimony to the fact that God is a God who journeys with us. And as we grow and develop and change, whether we're talking about humanity as a whole, whether we're talking about faith communities or us as individuals, Mm -hmm. God is there with us. God is Emmanuel, the God who comes to be with us wherever we are. And regardless of the preaching style or the style of music, the church is about so much more than the building that it's in. It's about the God Mm -hmm. who moves from place to place, who doesn't dwell just in any particular house of worship. I think we're ready to pray. That was a great way to end. Our prayer today comes from just a little bit later in this chapter. Uh, verses 28 and 29. This is David's prayer to God for his people. Hmm. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode. What story are we telling next week, Jonathan? Next week, we are going to take another look at the birth stories in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. But until then, leave us a review and find us on Twitter and Instagram to continue the conversation. Thanks for walking us through that story, Seth. Thanks for helping me tell it.